This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. I am Annalise, an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And I'm Melanie. I'm also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And we have a very special returning guest today. Hello. Miss Shannon Nolte. Yay. Hi. (laughs) Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yes. So if you guys don't know Shannon, she is a licensed professional counselor. She works here with us at Positive Choice, doing all kinds of cool stuff with the weight management program. What other programs are you digging your fingers into lately? So um, I also teach uh, the options classes. Um, and I have helped sort of behind the scenes helping get our mindfulness classes sort of in the virtual space. So don't teach any of them just yet, but um, I'm always there in the background, making it into a PowerPoint. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. And uh, Shannon, I don't know if you are still, are you still doing one-on-one during the pandemic, one-on-one counseling? Uh, Yeah, so I do some with, this isn't a plug, but better help um, to some one-on-one counseling. Um, and then I have uh, some people that I see one-on-one for through Positive Choice, too. So, yeah. Nice. Okay, so yeah. we will, we'll put a little link down in the uh, description. Yeah. So if you want to work with Shannon, uh, take a look down there. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for you guys. Yeah. Big thumbs up. <laughs> and so, okay. So... I'm super excited about today's topic because I think it is life-changing. Definitely. And it's the power of our thoughts and how they affect everything. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Power of our thoughts. I mean, it's kind of interesting to me, um, hopefully interesting to you guys too, but like the idea that, you know, we have this whole world inside of our head in between our two ears. It's rich. There's visuals sometimes. There's... Um, words, there's um, senses, there's emotions that don't really ever come to the light of day. It guides so much of what we do, our behaviors, our actions, and sometimes we don't even pay attention or we're not even aware of some of that internal thread that goes on. Um, And sometimes they're towards our values or towards what we're working towards, and sometimes they're antagonistic to it. So they can really help us or hurt us depending on um, what's going on. So the statement, they say the mind is a powerful thing. That's yeah. kind of what you're saying. The mind is a powerful yeah. thing. <laughs> I mean, yes, totally. We are to- like, we're definitely our minds. Like, uh, even though we don't look like walking brains, we kind of are. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are like kind of like a brain in a glass yeah. case. It's kind of what we are. It's controlling the robot arms. Do yeah. <laughs> we're organic little robots. <laughs> and I, I love what you just said about we, whether we acknowledge it mm-hmm. or not, we have a constant stream of stories going on, telling us, you know, how we perceive things and who people are and how situations unfold. All that goes into the perception and it's always going on back. Yeah. We are like, um, it's kind of like if you've ever, you know, probably where we're more comfortable with our computers than we once were uh, just because of everything's being virtual. But you know, sometimes when our computer's just on, nothing's really running, but it's really hot, right? 
That's like that CPU running in the background. It's kind of like our thoughts, right? We may not be aware, we may not see anything going on, but like it's that hamster wheel that kind of is heating us up, revving us up, creating emotions, um, maybe sometimes plans or uh, urges, um, things that we don't really even pay attention to, but we're spending energy sometimes um, on that background noise. What a great analogy. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> hair flip. <laughs> there was an actual hair flip there. You can't see it, but it was there. So, okay. So let's say I am a client mm -hmm. and I go, okay, that's ridiculous. Like I, you know, I think the things I think, uh, I, I don't see anything like influencing my behavior. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have like things going on in the background. Yeah. Where do you start with that? Yeah, so um, part of it is just building sort of an awareness, right? And you know, when we think too about like, sometimes if we get out of our own scope, so like if I, a good sort of way of thinking about it is if I were to come up to you and say, Annalise, you're an awful person. What would you feel? What do you feel now when I say it? I, I would feel, I don't know, like questioning myself yeah. and, and what did I do? I guess that would be my first. Right. I'd be like, oh my gosh, what did I do to Shannon? Right. Why does she hate me so yeah. much? <laughs> I think it's because she's not tall. Yeah. <laughs> not part of the club. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, Mrs. Six Feet and up in the room. <laughs> Gotta even wear, represent the booties and have a little extra height. There you go. So um, for everybody listening, just by the way, they are, there are two ladies in the six foot range and they are making fun of me because I am not. So. <laughs> I would like to say this, you can hide from, from people in small spaces, whereas we cannot. So it's you got true. You got some bonus there. I know, and plus we really have to like, you know, kind of like congratulate this because very rarely are there multiple people on the far end of the bell curve mm -hmm. in the same space. It's weird. So I don't, cool. I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm the tallest person in the room. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of the tall chat though. We'll but, move on yeah. from that. But like, so when we think about it that like, if we can kind of get out of ourselves and see like if someone else were to say these things to us and we can kind of very really realistically, I should say, like feel what that is like, um, it can kind of, start to seep in a little bit more of like, if I'm telling myself this all the time, if I'm saying I'm no good, if I'm saying I'm a failure, if I'm saying you didn't do this, 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 and this, we can kind of tap into like that, there's an emotional experience that happens each time we hear those messages. We might be more comfortable with ourselves telling us that versus another person, but it's still something that does create an emotional experience. Um, same thing if I were to tell Melanie, and there's no difference, but you're an amazing person. Um, you're wonderful. You're amazing, too, Anna. Um, I see how this is. <laughs> she's, she's, like, she's not giving you the best look. She's like, okay. She's like, huh, no more Shannon on this. <laughs> but yeah, so if like I were to come back and say something positive, we would feel a positive emotion, right? Um, so we can kind of elicit our emotional experiences based on you know, what is said to us. Um, and that includes what we say to ourselves and what we think to ourselves and what we label ourselves. Yes. Okay. So here's, here's where my brain is mm -hmm. going with this in terms of how, what we tell ourselves mm -hmm. allows us to interpret other people's opinions of us mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I found so fascinating years ago when I first started digging into it is this idea of 
what we tell ourselves we view as true, Mm -hmm. right? So let's say I really struggle with my self-esteem. I already am telling myself in my head that I'm a horrible person. Right. Okay. So to me, because I'm saying that, that is my truth. Mm -hmm. I believe that to be true. So that's also going to affect my perception of what you tell me. So if you come tell me that I'm a horrible person, yes, I might have a negative reaction of like, oh, what did I do? But I'm also going to more internalize that because you just told me something that I fundamentally believe is true. Totally. Whereas if you came up to me and said, you're an amazing person, that might feel way off because now you're telling me something that is contrary to what I believe. Right. And I can't take it in. It's right. like those people who don't take compliments well when you tell them something nice and they're like, no, 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 that, that's not true. Right. And you're like, but it is. Right. <laughs> it's like a qualifier, right? It, well, you're just, you know, saying something nice or, or whatnot. But yeah, you're totally right. And um, it's like we choose sort of what to pay attention to. And you're, you're exactly right. If we have a script or um, a philosophy about ourselves, um, we're going to we're going to look for things that fit in line with it. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if I, um, since we are, you know, a lot of our classes are devoted to weight loss and like healthy living, you know, for instance, I always fail at a diet. I'm going to think back to all the times where I maybe, you know, overate late at night or I chose something that I said, thought is quote unquote bad versus the times where I decided to get up early and um, go for a walk or I decided to um, meal prep that week, right? We're going to kind of shift our, um, our narrative and our script to be in line with that. Um, and we do have so many thoughts and so many things that happen in our day, but it is your t- where we decide to shift our attention to. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the whole thing about like cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance. So if we if we take this to the next level. So we don't like to be presented with things that feel false. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I always relay this as like how you feel around politics or religion, right? right? You have your own beliefs and when you hear something that is contrary, you kind of get this feeling of like uncomfortability, you feel that wall go up. Yeah. We don't think about it too much, but we have that same response to things like with with what we think is true. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to like the health and fitness part, yeah. right? If I believe that I have a weight problem and I will always have a weight problem and I fail on diets, mm-hmm. that's the that's the background that's right. running. Well, guess what? Doing good things for yourself starts to you start to feel that cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. and we don't realize it because in our heads we're going this is what we should do this is good but the reality is is that is causing us discomfort right because just by the fact that we are sticking with the eating program runs contrary to the idea that we know is true about ourselves which is we can't stay on a meal plan and I think that's where we get into these self-destructive patterns because in reality, the failure of not eating healthfully, the going off the diet feels more comfortable mm-hmm. and therefore we're more likely to gravitate towards that. Right. And that's why we don't stick in this space of success mm-hmm. if we're constantly running that I'm not, this is not success. Right. This is not who I am. This is a lie. 
And even the ideas of like, even those black and white camps of like, I'm successful or I'm failing, those run so rampant. And I know we've talked a lot about like diet culture previously, but like, I think that's part of it too, is that like, I'm either successful and I'm at a healthy weight and I'm, I'm healthy or I'm not successful, I'm failing and I'm unhealthy and I'm no good, right? And there's even sometimes that morality and we can label ourselves according to that, um, when sometimes it's just a neutral behavior. Um, sometimes it's not good or bad, it's just, it is. Um, yeah, it's so funny when you were mentioning that because I was thinking back to when I was like first starting to work here and I ran a metabolic rate test on someone mm-hmm. who was convinced that they had just a bad metabolism, just convinced. And you know, I'm like 25 at the time, so I was young, I didn't really yeah. know what was going on with reality at the time, I guess, so <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to run this metabolic rate test on her And, you know, she's telling me like she would go, she traveled through Europe and she was drinking wine all the time and eating pasta every day, but she lost weight and she was successful. She comes back to the States and all of a sudden she's gaining all this weight. She can't understand why. And she's been so healthy and so good. And so she said, my metabolism must be screwed. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what's wrong with that. It's something wrong with it. And I ran the test on her and I told her the results, which Uh were, you're fine. You're normal. It was like you could see the gears stop and stall. And I was like, nope, nope, no, 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 no. That's that's contrary to what I truly believe. And she stormed out. She stormed out of the appointment. She was so mad at me for for basically breaking her reality in front of her. And I didn't know what I had. I kind of stood there after she stormed out like, what do I do? This was weird and very jarring. But I've seen that where people can't comprehend the truth because it, it, it doesn't quite mesh with their own reality. Right. Right. Um which I can give you the simple explanation for why she wasn't losing weight. She was moving a lot in Europe because she was probably not driving anywhere and taking public transportation or walking. And then when she came back to the States, she's probably sitting more and probably was eating more than she thought she was. Right. But she didn't want to hear that. Right. And I think sometimes coming to terms with what the reality is, is jarring. Um, you know, there's a lot of comfort in thinking that we know something. Um, and sometimes it's a little bit different than what we think we know. <laughs> and it, it can be upsetting. Yeah. So You mean we can be wrong? No. Not you. Just <laughs> no, definitely not me. No. Everyone else is not you. You're fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Um, Thank God. I mean, really, I was worried there. <laughs> I know, but if you think, too, about, like, even those, um, you know, just, like, the labels or those all-or-nothing thinkings, like, we... We do tell us ourselves a lot of falsehoods, um, whether that's preserving our ego or whether that's preserving, um, you know, our sense of, I don't know, comfort. Because like you were saying, like there is some comfort in like the devil we know. So if I'm used to calling myself no good, if I'm used to saying um, I'm going to fail, it could protect us from, you know, something else. Um, it could be something that's self-preserving. Could it be something like, you're you're telling yourself a story in order to um you know make something make sense yeah. like if you don't have any any explanation for something even though there might be you don't fully know what that explanation is you just tell yourself or create a story to make it make sense yeah. in your own head totally it definitely could and you know these falsehoods that do happen you know one of the big tools for for any sort of like regulation of like negative thinking patterns is really just checking the facts on it right whether that's a story that's maybe not true or maybe like is it all bad like i'm saying it is or am i really this label that i call myself like what are truly the facts and when i mean facts i don't mean like subjective facts of you know things that i pick out but like what do people tell me about myself do they say I'm awful? Do they say I'm, you know, this um, 
you know, this thing. Um, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. I think there there is a lot of power to, to doing that, mm-hmm. to just allowing the thought of maybe what I tell myself isn't true. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to come to a different conclusion. Right. You don't even have to like go down that road. You just have to go maybe accept that maybe what I tell myself isn't the whole truth. Right. And then that allows you to go down the road of like, well, what do other people tell me? Right. What What's feedback that I get? And mm-hmm. does that fit with what I've been telling myself? Right. And truth too is like a, um, it's not an on and off switch. It's a dimmer switch, right? So like we are not all wrong or all right, but there's somewhere in between, right? We have some level of like, um, maybe it's mostly true. Maybe there are aspects where I'm not um, fully committing myself or I'm not fully um, doing the things that I say are important to me. And if that's the case, how can I hit that head on and, and challenge that in a productive way versus a, a shaming, self-defeating way. Um, but if it's not true, if there is some some aspects that are, um, that I'm just sort of, you know, running that negative script, then it's, how do I let go of that? How do I appropriately uh, forgive myself or be kinder to myself or just be more neutral to myself? Um, yeah. How do you do that? Well, <laughs> tell me more. Sit down, folks. <laughs> um, Sit down, settle in. Shannon has got the answer. Well, big thing is like awareness. Um, so kind of like we started out talking, um, we're not often always aware of what we're thinking. So a big thing is just being with yourself and being aware of what is said. Um, you know, if if we can catch it sooner rather than later, we can save ourselves a lot of like emotions because our thoughts do trigger our emotions, which then in turn trigger our behaviors, which can then uh, trigger the whole cycle all over again. So if we can become aware, we can save ourselves a lot of time and energy. Um, so ways that we can become aware, it could be you know, sharing our internal dialogue with someone who's trusted, whether that's a friend, whether that's a loved one, therapist, that could be journaling and then reading back what you journal. Um, that could be mindfulness, um, sitting with yourself and noticing what p- thoughts pop up. Um, or if you are like me when you're driving in the car and you start having those pretend conversations with yourself, <laughs> what am I talking about? What am I really getting to the point of here, right? What do I think is happening? Um, so I think there's ways that you can sort of just become aware of, of that, that script that goes on. I, I love the suggestion of journaling mm-hmm. and also talking it out with someone who can who can give you some some trusted feedback mm-hmm. because I, I always find that when I'm thinking about things I think things in a very circular kind of pattern like I don't think things through when it's just in my head it's all kind of going over the same picture or right. thought or whatever and what I find when I talk things out or when I write things out, I am forced to put it all in context, Mm -hmm. put it in complete sentences, and it takes me out of that loop and it allows me to like be more aware of what the thought process actually is. Right. And process the thought process. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I think it, it does, you know, sort of take the power away. Um, like you said, when you're writing it down and when it's complete and or you, can, or you hear it back from someone, it kind of takes that power away of like, oh, 
that's not quite as scary as I thought it was, or I even hear that back and I think that that's kind of nonsense or, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I say, gosh. <laughs> Don't you love it? But like when words are coming out of your mouth, you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. I see how Looney Tunes this yep. is. <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> but as long as you're calling yourself out on that, that's not sort of like, right. crazy. It's not good. That's why keyword trusted person, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I know. It's just, um, it is sometimes comical. I mean, I think, it, I don't mean that in the sense where it's always oh, like these are deep, real things and we feel things. And oftentimes the things that we replay are based in some sort of emotional, um, emotionally heightened memories, right? So if we have trauma or if we have um, some some event in our our past that has emotional significance, whether that's a one-time thing or a repeated thing, it can really bring up those thoughts in the future and trigger those same emotions. But and sometimes what I mean comical is that when we do kind of hear back our stories or the things that we tell ourselves, you know, if someone were to tell me that about themselves, I'd be like, are you joking? Like, you're amazing. What are you talking about? Like, but then when we say it to ourselves, it's, um, it's so different. Um, we are our worst critic. Mm-hmm. We, we like to be meaner to ourselves than we would ever be to any human being. I always like to tell people if they ever have those negative thought things of like, like if you were to separate out your internal monologue, or, which I don't have one we learned, but if you mm-hmm. separate out your, your internal thought process of negativity and put that as another human being yes. in the room, would you be friends with them? Oh, You'd no. be like, no, they're like the bully from high school. No way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. And if that's the way you talk to yourself, then clearly that's not something that you should have in your head right. all the time. So that's something you need to put some energy into, like, you know, working on or, or having some sort of process to, like, kind of reframe where your thoughts are. Because right. someone sitting there telling you how much you suck all day is not ideal for progress and success in things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's uh, made me think of uh, there's this type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, and they use a lot of metaphors. And one of the metaphors that they use um, is surrounding unhelpful thinking, right? Or I don't want to think about something that is uncomfortable. And it's called like the unwanted party guest. And it makes me think about like your, like if our negative image of ourselves was a person, that's like this unwanted party guest, right? And the whole metaphor is like, so, you know, this party guest, like you say, hey, you need to leave, get out of here. And they just keep coming back. And you're like, no, I told you, get out of here please leave. And then they just keep coming. Right. And so the solution is that we allow the party guests to come and we focus on the things that bring us joy at the party. Instead, instead of focusing on this negative party guest, Mm. we focus then on, well, here's someone I really like to talk to. This person's really fun or this activity we're going to do, we're going to play horseshoes or cornhole. um, So that we focus less on that person that keeps, um, that we supposedly hate. We can kind of just ignore them by focusing on the good instead. Um, so our attention isn't then on the negative, but more so on what does bring us gratitude and what brings us joy and pleasure and, you know, gets us closer to our values. Yes. I like that. Yes. I also think when when we're looking at this, I think that this is one of the reasons that we do do things that numb us out mm-hmm. and take us away. Because if we were presented with a lot of this negativity outside in another person, we would not hang around that person. Mm. We would leave. Yeah. But we can't leave. Right. Except when we overeat, overdrink, 
overwork, however that is. They're shoving we, stuff on top of them to shove them down. Yeah. Right. We're, we're finding a way to escape ourselves, and we have to find a way yeah. to be okay being in our own head. Totally. Our head needs to feel like a safe space. There's a term for that, and it's experiential avoidance. Um, and it's exactly that. We escape the experiences that bring us discomfort, and that's through activities that long-term don't serve us. So if that's overeating, if that's um, binge-watching TV, if that's um, overworking, serial dating, um, you know, all these things that, you know, get our mind off of it, but may not bring us long-term joy or bring us closer to who we feel like we are deep down. It would be like the, you know, instead of fixing the hole in the dam, you just put a Band-Aid over it totally. and hope for the best. <laughs> and then that Band-Aid will definitely not right. hold for very long. <laughs> but we need a lot more Band-Aids yes. is what we need. At least eight. Right. <laughs> and if Band-Aids were donuts, we already know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I just had a really good image of that. I can't get my mind off of it thinking of thoughts or speaking of thoughts. I like my food analogies. What can I say? I like it. That's why I like you. you know. um, I mean, I do like food, but no, I, I think these are really like, it's so funny because I, I think we, we hear at least with the classes we teach sort of understand these concepts, but I like the things you're naming. It's like, I've said like you're shoving things down mm -hmm. with food and you're like experiential avoidance. Like, Oh, there's a name for what I talk mm -hmm. about. This is cool. That's why you have the degree in it. And I don't, but <laughs> it's just cool to, to hear that because it kind of reaffirms what I'm teaching mm -hmm. my patients, which is basically a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's very validating. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You guys validate me and what I say sometimes too. <laughs> We're on opposite sense, uh, spec, ends of the spectrum um, with these classes. So yeah, it is, um, you know, it's actually one of my favorite topics. I love the idea of experiential avoidance, not only because I've been a master of that in my life, but, oh, yes. yeah. yep. <laughs> but I think it's one of those things that, you know, when we can acknowledge it when we can acknowledge the thoughts and how we avoid them um, and how we numb ourselves or soothe ourselves. And this all came from like self pres like preserving, you know, uh, roots, right? It was a way at one point to really help us because we didn't have tools or means to do so in another way. So, you know, if we can kind of look at ourselves in a kinder way, if I say, for instance, if it is about overeating, if it, it you know, previously that was the only way I knew how to take care of myself or the only way I knew how to avoid some of these really mean things that I say to myself or the shame that I feel in a certain situation, you know, that was a comfort. And we can look at overeating then differently instead of being this mean, awful thing that happens. It's, it's really, you know, in a, in a sense, it was there to help us at one point. And then that's where we can sort of sort of start building self-compassion and self-care and start taking care of ourselves in a different way um, and learning different tools. Um, it's not that I'm stupid or I don't have discipline or determination. It's, it's because I don't necessarily know how to take care of myself in another way. And I think that is the, that's the key. Mm -hmm. So if, if our listeners take away nothing else out of today, it's that change comes from a place of self-care, mm -hmm. from self-positivity. It does not come from a place of self-shaming. Yeah. And I, I know I am guilty of that. I have had many clients and patients over mm -hmm. the years that are guilty of that. I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I could just 
like change myself. Mm -hmm. If I could just be hard enough on myself, then I wouldn't keep, you know, overeating or I wouldn't keep missing my workouts. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that we do things to care for our health when we value ourselves. Right, right. Um, We spend time on things that we value. and so that includes ourselves. Uh, you're, that's a really good way to put that. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that that's one of the big, um, the big things. And you know, as much as it may feel comfortable to be hard on ourselves, it's one of those uh, sort of things that we have to be conscious of and um, aware of. Is is this helping me long term? Um, how helpful is me being critical? How helpful is it for me to be hard on myself? How helpful is it to be? And I'm not saying that there's a difference between compassion and letting everything slide, um, right. you know. But there is this: um, what did I learn from this? Instead of saying, "Gosh, I'm so stupid," what did I learn from this? Why? What was going on for me that I? Um, you know, I really, since donuts are on the mind, I, I went for those donuts, <laughs> right? Like what, what was going on for me at that moment? Was I sad? Was I tired? Was I, you know, and that's where we can kind of impact change. It's not saying we're going to turn a blind eye, but go towards more of those things that help us long-term versus um, the things that just hold us back. Which in a sense would be considered what? Like mindfulness. Yeah. Being mindful. Because when I think when we hear, we hear the term mindfulness, mm-hmm. people go like, oh, totally. I'm meditating in a field. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is just being aware of what you're doing and how is it impacting you in that moment. Right. Will this help you long term? What is this doing for you? That's mindfulness. How fast are you eating? That's mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, just being aware right now, what are you doing? Right. Not meditating in a field, which can be, but it's not always exclusively meditating I in a field. I won't knock that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I think a, a good key word too, um, and if you said this and I missed it, I apologize, um, is the non-judgmental piece of that being aware too, of not judging what does come up for us or what we do or what we think, um, just observing and noticing, uh, being curious. I say that all the time in my classes. I yeah. say, I'm a, this is a non-judgmental space and this is a non-judgmental room and everything we do has no judgment behind it. We're right. here just to, to it's, we're taking in data and we're performing an observational experiment. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is. We are scientists. Yes. <laughs> I, I like to frame things as being a scientist. Totally. That, that, that works for my brain. I love just putting in like, I'm doing an observational experiment and I fill in my tracker and that's data. I mm-hmm. do this and that's data. Taking this data, what do I do with it? Yeah. I, I figure out what this data means. Right. And I don't know, I find that kind of fun, but I'm weird. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I like data. I do too. It's just information. Yeah, um, yeah totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love I love the idea of just like, we are just here to observe, to notice, to, to be with ourselves. Um, and that doesn't mean that feelings don't happen. We, that includes, you know, shame, that includes you know, loneliness that includes anger. But as long as we don't judge ourselves for what does pop up, I think that's where we can kind of get ourselves even more down a rabbit hole of like, um, then judging ourselves for feeling something or judging ourselves for experiencing something or, you know, maybe even behaving in a way that we don't like. Um, we can have our feelings and learn from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want to uh, just touch on the meditating and yeah. field thing really quick. <laughs> Because uh, meditation is a powerful skill builder mm-hmm. for 
self-observation. And it just, my own experience, one of the things that I've been working on this year is a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me a while, but once I got into a skill set, it's a skill set to be able to quiet the mind, to be able to be more aware of what's going on in your mind. Once I got good enough at it that I could calm my brain, I wanted to go longer and I really started feeling that safe space Mm -hmm. in my own head, which has never felt safe for me. It's always, you know, lots of, lots of negative feedback. And I really felt that, that, you know, in the frame of an actual thing that you can do Mm -hmm. is start that meditation practice, get, you know, get an app, get online, uh, our YouTube channel, positive choice, integrative wellness center. We have meditations on there. Mm-hmm. Getting to that point where you can be quiet and observe your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great way to, to start paying attention. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that because I think that it's so true. And I, I, I agree for myself. It's one of the things that has helped me um, experientially avoid less, um, <laughs> be more present with what, what's going on in my life. Um, and I've seen it transform others as well. Um, and it doesn't have to be something long. It doesn't have to be something formal. It doesn't have to be something uh, grandiose. It can just be you breathing for five minutes. Um, in a dedicated, aware, non-judgmental space. Um, it's yeah, it's a it's a game changer for sure. Um, and on that note, thank you so much yeah. for joining us, Shannon. Hey, Thanks thank for having you. me. Yes. So um, you guys have a a wonderful rest of your day where wherever you're at, and um, just open your mind to what's going on up there. Yeah. Check out our YouTube channel. <laughs> and go find a field. And go find a field to meditate. <laughs> Until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.